What is up, designers? And welcome back to the Surviving the Cancel podcast. This is part three of the four-part, or maybe even five-part at this point, series. Um, how to properly build a cult-like attention around your unpopular opinion in the cancel culture era. We got to discuss exactly how I stumbled upon the concept of what a social business is and what a social business is by being canceled. Um, and how to build a social business, rather, by being canceled. Okay. Um, before I begin this episode, I do want to say uh, I'm a real long-winded storyteller. It takes me a long time to get straight to the point. And so if you want to get straight to the point, you know, speed past all this story ahead of time and get to the idea of what it is, what a social business is and how to build a social business, I have a summit that tells you exactly how to do that. Okay. What the summit is, is I gather 15 to 30 of some of the most highly wealthy and influential uh, social movement builders in the world, uh, people who've built massive social movements, and I've just asked them, how is it that you profitably got your unpopular opinion out in this era? How did you build a business that didn't just make you money, but created for you culture? It's what I asked these 15 to 30 people. And you can get their responses in their hour-long interviews for free at www.survivingthecancel.com. So I would seriously recommend you go over there and uh, actually register for the cancel, uh, the cancel, register for the summit while it's actually free and still online for you to view. Okay, www.survivingthecancel.com. It's actually hella hot out here. So I was sitting down, but I'm actually gonna get to moving. Okay, but let me get back to the story. Now, you, you ever heard the term, things are gonna get a lot better no, the term is actually things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. And for my story, even though at this point in the story, I'm kicked out of my house. I'm kicked out of college after having my financial aid removed. Um, I don't have a job and I don't know where I'm going to stay. Uh, despite the fact <laughs> that things are already pretty bad before they get better, they actually get worse. And so, you know. I know I alluded to the fact that I had like zero places to go in the last story, but I'm not like I think kind of ahead, not not super far ahead, but in most situations I think a little further ahead um, than where I'm currently at. And this was one of those situations. And so when I was dropped off at my house the day that I got kicked out on September 5th, my girlfriend actually parked down the street, and she was offering me, okay, if they don't let you back in, if they don't want to, if they don't want to really deal with you. That you could come live with my mother and so when I walked out that day I actually went to live with her uh, her and her mother and um, that's the point where things started to get a little weird already being at that age how was I how old was I probably like 22 uh, this was like two years ago so 22 I'm turning 24 in a few days um, like my social status like you can feel like your your social measurement like internally at all times it was pretty damn low because first and foremost i don't have any money um my bank account is like a negative 64 dollars um i don't have anywhere to stay like i have no leverage or value whatsoever to offer in my life and i have this business that for four years has never worked and so if you're analyzing the pattern there's no indication that it will work in the future um and i'm kind of just bummed out and so to add insult to injury uh, from there, I start living with my, you know, my my girlfriend and her mother. Okay, now you can imagine the landscape. You can imagine the scenario probably pretty vividly. 
you know, if you're anything like me, you know what this means. For the last, I don't know, four, three years that I had been with my girlfriend up until this point, you know, this is somebody that I promised the world. You know, I get excited about ideas, you know, and I, I visualize ideas and predict them as if they are, re- are becoming reality right before my eyes, as if, as if it'll happen tomorrow. And so for the last three, four years, um, I was just telling my girlfriend over and over and over again, like, you know, oh, next summer is going to be the one. Oh, tomorrow is going to be one. Next week is going to be one. We're going to be able to quit our jobs. We're going to go to Greece. We're going to go to Santorini, which is inside of Greece. Makokonos, go to the Makokonos. We're going to go to, you know, uh, we're going to go to Miami Beach and have a penthouse down there. We're going to go to L.A. and you can start acting and living out your dream. And we're going to have this beautiful, amazing life. We're going to live large. And then you fast forward mad time later. Um, you know, not only am I not delivering on the promises that I made, but on top of that, I'm starting to edge into the territory where I'm taking more than I'm giving. And so I'm living with her and her mother. I have no money. I have no job. So she's paying. Her mother's paying for a lot of the food that I'm eating. You know, uh, I don't I have a license, but I never got a car. So she's driving me around, you know, and and you know how that feels. I mean, everybody wants a Prince Charming. Everybody wants somebody that's going to sweep them off her feet. So I would imagine this was an embarrassing situation for her. It was a situation that not only decreased my social status, but also decreased her stat- social status and decreased my social status, therefore. <laughs> like, it was, it was a bad situation. I felt like, you know, maybe even worse at some periods than the times where I was just at my house and no one believed in the dream and no one believed in the mission. You know, I was so close at some points in my, you know, during this period to complete resignation. And uh, the only thing that I could think to do at this point in time was salvage my reputation, salvage the little bits of it that was left. I already had gone through a cancer, which actually defines, you know, defines why I entitled the summit surviving the cancel. You know, because this entire journey is to learn how do I take an unpopular opinion and make someone a die-hard fan of that. Make not only make someone have an epiphany, but how do I finally break through that wall and make someone a die-hard fan of that opinion? I feel like it's my 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 calling to do that because I know that this opinion can revolutionize their life, their happiness, their joys, their success infinitely. So how is it that I do that? And I call the summit surviving the cancer because it teaches you how to do that. Okay? And if you're going to get canceled like I got canceled, um, if you know the information you know, if, if you know how to do what I just described, then you can survive the cancel. If I know, if I knew, you know, two years ago, the information in the summit, when I was getting canceled by everyone around me, I would be able to explain my ideas in a way that got them excited about it and maybe it made them adopt it for themselves. And I never would have got kicked out of my house. I didn't talk to my parents for months after that. There never would have been any hard feelings. There never would have been me, you know, moving into my girlfriend's house. A lot of the bad things that happened in my life, if I knew how to survive the cancel, because I knew how to import my unpopular opinions into someone else and make them become fans of it, then none of this would have ever happened. And so my own life experience of being canceled, of being shoved to the side simply because my, you know, I was a deserter of the status quo is the reason the summit is actually tied to surviving the cancel, which it's also at survivingthecancel.com if you didn't know. You should go and register for free while it's still free and while you have that opportunity. But to continue along with the story, you know, all I could think to do at this point in time was to, you know, salvage my reputation. 
And what that entailed was this. In order to salvage my reputation and not get canceled even furthermore, because a lot of older folks, you know, my girlfriend's mother is like 50, um, but a lot of older, and my parents are obviously the same age. Uh, a lot of older folks, they believe in the, the, the prestige of hard work, the prestige of fun and the working man, okay? And if I didn't have a job, I was good as chopped liver. And so what I did to mitigate the fact that I, in fact, wasn't working was I just pretended to work, okay? And so whereas I had quit my job, my girlfriend didn't. And she went and worked at her job in the mall. I think it was like Monday through Thursday or something like that. I can't even remember at this point in time. Um, or and actually, it might have been just over the weekends. It might have been Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday was the day she worked. And when I moved in with her and you know her and her mother and her grandmother, um, in order to retain the status that I had, whenever she would go to work, Monday, uh, Monday, Friday, Saturday, you know, over the weekend, essentially, including Monday and Friday, I would just pretend like I had the same schedule because before I quit. Our schedules were actually aligned so we could spend time together. And so every morning, you know, she'd wake up at 7 to 8 a.m. in the morning. I'd be morning. I'd be like, all right, I got work too. I'm going with her. And I would throw on like my red uh, my red Target shirt and my khaki jeans and my boots. And I'd, throw, I'd even throw my like, my, what do you call it? My box cutter on my hip. And I would just go out in the morning like, and work and pretend to work every day. So, you know, I wouldn't be judged even further by her family as someone who was a complete and entire debate, no money, no job, no family, no future, no college, no nothing. Like I had to at least salvage what I could. Okay, and so we would go out every single morning. A lot of times her mother would come, you know, get up early. Maybe she had work too some of those days and she'd bring us Dunkin' and things like that. And she would, my girlfriend would, me and my girlfriend would get in the car and she would drive down to the mall. And when she got to the mall, she would go in the mall and start working. Her lunch break was usually like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, something like that. Because she didn't always work at the same times. And, you know, I would just say I worked, like if she worked at 2, I'd work at 2. If she worked at 8, I'd work at 8. Like, there would never be any deviation. So it was kind of like obvious. But, but anyhow, she would go in the mall. And immediately when she went into the mall, because I felt my life was such a downturn. I felt my life like literally... Like who, who, like, you know, being in such a predicament, it, it affects not only your status, but the affecting, affecting of your status affects your identity in such a weird and visceral and profound way. You know, the things that you think about yourself, like when I'm sneaking food at my parents' refrigerator that I can clearly eat because I live there, like the things that you think about yourself and believe other people think about you is, is, is so, is so, is so damaging and, 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 and just profound in so many different ways like I was at the bottom and so every single day was a you know whereas I had these two goals before and neither one took precedence over another the goal of building a life and getting rich and getting fame from this work and then I had the internal goal of um you know putting these ideas into society because I realized they could change people whereas before one idea hardly took precedence over another uh, because I was in extreme poverty and extreme lacking, you know, my more materialistic goals kind of took full force. And I was hungry. I was desperate every single day. Would, as soon as my girlfriend would go to the mall, uh, I would just run. It was a library down, down the street, probably like a five to ten minute walk. And so 
I would go down to the library every single day and I would just desperately begin building funnels and, and, and writing sales messages and, and, and designing products. I would I would launch like a new product like every week. You know what I'm saying? Like or, or like yeah, or launch a new product every week but try to sell it like every day. Like I would go down to the library and just go crazy. I did I would do live video after live video after live video after live video manually outreach you know the product at the time the main product was uh ghostwriting you know so i would manually outreach to at least 100 people a day like my dms are literally flooded from influencers i'm just reaching out and reaching out and reaching out during that time period it's one of my friends yash uh motivepreneur on instagram actually came from that period of just insane outreach like i had this goal of just reaching out to 100 people a day either the people that had my audience that i could blast my message to or it would be people that I could directly sell. And I was just writing new sales messages and sending out like every day. And sitting in the library and then I had like alongside selling ghostwriting, I would teach other people, even though I wasn't a successful ghostwriter, how to ghostwrite. And so I would go to freelance writing groups and I would say, hey guys, I'm doing a webinar to teach you how to get big clients as a ghostwriter. And um, you know, most of my, you know, alongside actually sending messages out and, and doing things on Fiverr and things like that, I would also send these people in these ghostwriting groups to like webinars. I would do a webinar or, or a video in, in, or live on Instagram or on Facebook to, to, to sell these people on, you know, a product that I was, you know, a course that I was making to teach them how to be better ghostwriters, even though I wasn't a good ghostwriter myself. So every day I would go to the library and just hustle, 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 hustle. And then I would just go uh, and... Um, I would go, it's getting actually pretty loud out here, so I'm gonna go to the car. And so then I would just go up to our lunch break and after lunch break I would come back down to the library and hustle, 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 and just hustle all day. Like I was I was I was hustling crazy out of my mind. Like you've never felt a true hustle till you are desperate and you feel like one, you have to work hard before your cover of faking work is unveiled. Two, um, you know where you where you where you really want a life of your own you don't have any place to stay you don't have any income your your money is going through the floor like and and you know you feel the effects of it with all the relationships around you where you can't take care of people and you feel like they're judging you because of it like you 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 unlock a new level of hustle when you experience life like that I'm sorry I'm moving around a lot but I'm trying to get in this car because they doing some landscaping on the apartment so that's what I'm going to do but yeah, so the first months at my girlfriend's house was kind of spent, you know, in that little routine right there. Seldom was it ever a time where, you know, it was just kind of peaceful and like, you know, kicking back and enjoying myself. You know, a lot of the moments were actually spent in like a sheer panic. You know, there's this next to the mall, there's this place called the Cancer Survivor Park back in Maryland. It's, it's um in Towson, Maryland. It's just... uh. You know, it's a little park with like a waterfall, water fountain, or whatever you call it, and statues from, you know, representative of cancer survivors, and the names of people who I think who died of cancer are along the wall. It's this big, you know, stone place park, essentially, where you can sit around and things like that. And a lot of my habits would, would, would be to hit up these influencers and either write for them or hit up these influencers and try to get traffic, hit up these Facebook groups and try to get traffic and essentially make videos and spam these Facebook groups. Uh, and try to get as much traffic as possible uh, to a webinar so that I could sell them. And I used to go to that uh, Cancer Survivor Park every Friday 
um, after running traffic, even even during the week when she didn't go to work, I'll be at her house making videos and sending these videos to Facebook groups to get a, a lot of noise for these webinars. And I would go down to the Kansas River Park on every Friday to do the webinar. And zero people would show up, or one person would show up, or sometimes I have three to six or seven people show up. But uh, the webinar wasn't making any progress or wasn't making noise. I mean, a lot of times when I went and laid down at night, I just felt like a shell of a man. You know, I just felt like a hollow person. Like, I felt like I was just a nobody and that really I was a burden to everybody because I, you know, in a lot of different ways, I really was, you know. So fast forward just to move the story a little bit and, and not to beat a dead horse and, and, and play the sad violin. To move this, you know, the the story forward. For as long as me and my girlfriend had been together, she had been an artist. You know what I'm saying? She's an artist. Like, I'm an artist. I'm a rapper. I'm not really much else i'm not a marketer or or a business person like even if i'm building a business it has nothing to do like that's who i am i'm a musician an artist at heart you know um even these businesses are art but she you know for as long as we've been together she's always talked about you know being an actress and wanting to take her acting career seriously and really never having an opportunity and um, we'd always talk specifically about moving across the country to Los Angeles and because that's where Hollywood is and that's where all the big stars and opportunities supposedly are. And we had talked as long as we've been, been together, you know, about making these moves. And I had always said, you know, look, you know, I'm going to get money and we're going to move over there. And we're going to have a good time and we're, we're, we're going to make that, that dream become a reality. Um. But here, after I got kicked out following September and then a little bit of October, um, particularly in the end of September, beginning of October, these conversations had began to pick up to a greater frequency than they had during the previous weeks. Okay, And I feel like to a a degree, you know, we talked about this. It it was a very, various amounts of things, a variety of things. Uh, The armed robbery. Um, had affected us both to to a, to a degree where you know to a, in a way where we were both just like okay we're going to live our dreams regardless of anything and so you can imagine what she's thinking we started talking like okay maybe since you don't have a place to stay and you don't really have nothing left over here and all ties are cut maybe we should just move to Los Angeles uh, here in November and I'm like yeah okay that's cool and you know I'm agreeing with her but we have no real way of moving to Los Angeles and um so i'm like just kind of agreeing but you know every time we have this conversation every time we talk about it i get really anxious because like like i have a negative bank account and like the number is only further increasing like it's only getting worse and worse and worse and i'm literally not making any money and if we move to los angeles like i don't you know we were talking about all sorts of opportunity you know options living in a van living in a car just just trying to do anything and i'm like you know, I'm not sure that if we go to Los Angeles, I'm going to be able to support you. I'm going to be able to actually pay for things. And I'm going to actually be like, I would be way more of a burden now that she didn't have the support system of her family than I'd have ever been in my life. Like I would just be complete dead weight and it would affect everything. Like I would probably have to go back to work and I wouldn't be able to make this business work. And a lot of time would just be spent scurrying around trying to make things right. And I didn't know if we were actually ready for that. But I agreed because I assumed we didn't have a way. But as October tore through the first week, you know, these conversations had began to get seriously. You know, she began to talk, you know, not just to me about it, but to her mother about it. And I'm like, oh, shit, like 
this might actually happen. Lo and behold, one of those God moments happened. Now, I'm not the most religious person, but I call these God moments because there are things that happen that are so serendipitous, like you can't really attribute them to anything else. I've had so many moments when I've really committed and, and, and been on this journey and I didn't know the way where serendipitously like something would just happen like out of thin air that would make the next step of the journey possible when all else was you know when all options had seemed exhausted and so it was one night she was you know she 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 her plan was to move to LA and go to this school called NIFA okay New York Film Academy and to study acting and from there try to get an agent but the problem with NIFA is that NIFA cost I believe like two grand for entry or something like that and she simply didn't have that money and so that was the only thing stopping her from going so I remember one night she's downstairs and I'm upstairs working on the business hustle as usual and she's talking to her mother and then you know they're watching because they always sit and watch the TV watch The Bachelor you know what else did they used to watch? Say yes to the dress, you know. So I believe they were sitting there one night watching The Bachelor. You know, I can hear the the hum of the TV and the voices radiating even through the closed door. And I'm just hacking away on my laptop, working and working and working. I believe at the time I was designing a new logo for the Facebook group that I had for the freelance writers or the designing a funnel or something like that. But I remember working and she just came upstairs when they just run upstairs. Boom, 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 boom. She just burst in the door. And she's like, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? I'm like, like what? What's 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 going on? What's happening? And she's like, we're going to LA. I'm like, what do you mean we're going to LA? And she starts breaking down the situation to me. Yo, remember I said I want to go to Nifa and it costs two thousand dollars. I'm like, yeah, what? 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 And she's like, well, guess what? My credit line just extended by two thousand dollars exactly, and I have exact the exact amount of money that I need to go to LA. And I'm like, I. Like, I'm just, I, like, I just froze, to be honest. Like, maybe even worse than the armed robbery situation. Like, I just froze, and I'm just, like, my brain is, like, going a million, zillion, trillion miles a minute because, you know, as much as I wanted it to happen and I wanted her to live her dreams, you know, it was simultaneously the greatest thing that could have happened in my mind and my worst nightmare at the same time. I don't even think she understands how terrified of this option that I was. Because I had like literally no money coming in at all. And um, so that's what had happened. She said, okay, we're going to LA. And, you know, I've decided like that I want to go immediately. You know, the date we were supposed to leave to LA was, uh, it was, that was probably like mid-October or something like that. And she's just telling me, man, like there's two options that we have. I want to, you know, there's the January date for classes starting. Or we can get there in December or like uh, maybe not January, maybe like February date for class starting. But then there's also classes starting on December 1st. And, you know, she had all these reasons why January or February was the bad option. And she really wanted she was adamant about going in February, uh, no, not in February, in, in November. And so we're sitting down and talking through the options and she's kind of just sold on leaving here and getting there in December and, and really getting started. You know, because once again, once something like an armed robbery happens, the brevity of life is reinforced to such a degree that you don't want to waste another second. You don't want to waste another moment. And I'm just agreeing and agreeing and agreeing and agreeing. And I'm like, all right. And so we decide that night that November 24th or somewhere around that date, we're going to drive across the country to Los Angeles. She's going to start attending schools and, 
you know, we didn't know where we were going to live. We were going to know what apartment we were going to, you know, how we were going to eat. None of that. We didn't know anything at all. You know, coupled with the fact that she had, you know, a $2,000 credit line extension, she had also had accumulated a significant amount of stock options from her job. And so living for a few days, maybe at different Airbnbs and hotels and things like that, and eating off of that was an option. And then maybe we could figure something out in terms of work before that money ran out. And so that was the, uh, the whole plan. I remember going to bed, well, quote unquote, going to bed, but laying there that night and feeling so lost and so scared and so defeated that I literally just stared at the ceiling for like hours and hours and hours and hours and thinking, thinking, thinking of a way. And, and, And it wasn't just that night. It was a span of nights where I was just kind of like, like asking the world, like what it is that you want me to do about this situation? Like, why, why is this happening to me? Like, like. Like, how am I supposed to handle this? You know, she has a dream and I can't stop her from living that. But what am I to do? You know, over the span of that week, there were also conversations that occurred between us. And one of the biggest conversations was, um, look, I want to move across the country. And, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money. But, and I can, I can afford to do it on my own, but I really can't afford your half. You know, if we're going to move across the country, which was obvious to me at this point in time, but, you know, it was a conversation, obviously, we had to have for security purposes. If we're going to move across the country, then you can't be dead weight. If we're going to move across the country, you can't you can't just not do anything, you know. Uh, and so, like, I'm telling her, like, OK, well, I haven't had any success right now, but I'll, I'll try. I'll do I do my best. I mean, whatever it is I have to do, I'll, I'll make it happen. You know, I'll have to hustle extra hard and get make get sales on this in this business. You know, I'll get a job. I'll find a way. And this contributed further to that span of, you know, weeks where at night I'm laying down and um, just wondering what it is that I have to do to make this actually work. You know, I remember just so many times, like every time I thought of L.A., every time I thought of moving, like sickness would come over my body and I would just get dizzy and nervous and have the big, you know, I had so much anxiety on that point in time. You know, just looking at my bank account climb and looking at the expense of the future. And, um, you know, it took about a week, you know, for the shock to really settle down and for me to get my bearings. And it was probably the last night of that same week where I was just like, okay, well, this is reality and this is what hap- what's happening. You know, I'm just going to have to, you know jump feet first you know if we're you know if this is going to happen regardless of, you know i have i have two options i could stay with her mother and be a deadbeat with a parent that's not even mine uh i can go homeless in the middle of maryland winter or i can take a shot at la and i can go my hardest once again and you know you know this path is seemingly impossible but i believe there's something there for me you know and so one night i was just sitting there staring at the city and i just decided okay tomorrow morning we're going to put the burners on and we're, you know, this was really about November when I first decided this. And we're just going to commit and we're going to see what happens, you know. And so I came to her. I said, I'm, you know, I've decided what's going to happen. I'm going to go hard as hell in this business and I'm going to make the sales. Uh, and I'm going to have my half of the journey to, to, to make sure our dreams and, and our relationship can stay intact. And we can we can live our lives the way we envisioned it all these years. So I wake up the next morning, probably either the end of October or the beginning of November and you know we're, we're stuck in the same pattern at this point in time she's going to work and I'm going down to the library but whereas it was a complete like where I was where I was hustling at a hundred percent you know at that point in time like 
something just clicked in my mind and I went beyond. Like I went entirely beyond. Like there were so many things that I was absolutely terrified. You know, I was terrified of reaching out to people. I was terrified. I was making probably 200 every 10,000 word book through Fiverr, which wasn't enough money. And they would have me wait 15 days to actually get the money. So I couldn't do that anymore. I was terrified of reaching out to people. I was terrified of calling on the phone and selling people. And so I try to sell people through DMs. I was terrified of, you know, asking people for, for money for the product that I was selling. But all of this kind of was like, though I was terrified of it, all of this kind of had to fall to the wayside at that point in time. And so I woke up that morning and I set up a Calendly account, which is an account where people can book you to talk on the phone with you. And I decided, man, I'm going to exhaust everything in me. You know, I'm, you know, there's nothing that can be held back if this is going to work out. And so I started actually doing sales calls instead of messaging people and saying, hey, do you want to work with me? I said, hey, you know, I have an offer for you. You know, if you're interested, call this number. And I started doing that not only for the for the for instead of doing webinars and like that, things like that for the freelance writing courses, but for the people that I wanted to write for. And so every day, like, you know, uh, I would just send message after message after message, message hundreds and hundreds of them and uh, direct them to my calendar. Like, and believe it or not, you know, some people started booking calls and calling my phone and things like that. Uh, one of the first people that called me was a guy named John Adams, who runs the wealth account on uh account like literally entitled wealth on instagram and me and him got into talks about writing a book you know i think even before that was some guy named jimmy who called me from washington you know and it, it, it was actually a pretty embarrassing call because i didn't really like want to ask for the sale even though i had to i remember you know distinctly it was one night me and my girlfriend i think we were coming from a restaurant called towson's best down in towson by where she worked and we were picking up like i liked from there the the, the orange chicken and she likes uh what does she like from there the rice and the and the i don't even remember what she's, she's from there it's been so long um the lo mein rice and chicken i think it was something like that she's 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 like the most random combination sometimes like the other day she was asking me for like what was she, what was she asking me for it's like like lasagna and ice or something like some weird stuff <laughs> but but anyhow we were riding through towson and and i got a phone call from this guy named Jim and I was talking to him like hey you know just I, w- I was pretty much just asking about himself asking about his life asking about what he does and uh I said hey man I could show you you know an example of some of the sales funnel that I did and I linked him to a sales funnel that I did and he was like it's just a blank page because in the click funnels editor I actually didn't edit the sales funnel to, to show on desktop it was it was mobile only and um you know he was looking at it and he, like it didn't make any sense and I think that kind of like killed the sale but either way we got too close to the phone call and i said he said okay well i'll call you back if i'm interested i didn't even ask for a sale because i had no carriage and that was one of the first phone calls um there were a few phone calls like that actually but the next phone call that i actually remember that was notable was a phone call with a guy like i said he runs the wealth account his name is john adams and i remember hopping on the phone call and really being scared to ask for the sale uh and so i didn't ask for the sale on this phone call either but the conversation was an interesting conversation because I remember him talking to me like, you know, I was asking him how he got sales already, why he wanted to write a book, all the sales and questions. And he was just telling me about his life and how that he was interacting. Like he lived in, uh, I think, like uh, Palm Beach, Florida or something like that. He was telling me how he's making like $20,000 per day. And a lot of his clients were millionaires and billionaires and things like that. 
And one of the things that I really took from that phone call, because I was so nervous, or such a nervous wreck for each phone call, was that, you know, he said, you know, calling and asking for a higher sales price, you know, he was telling me he'd ask for like $10,000, $20,000 deals and things like that. And, and even bigger than that. And, and like a lot of it, <coughs> like he'd be nervous at first, but he said a lot of it was just muscle memory. Like a lot of it was just, you know, you know, you, you just got to do it over repetition gets you used to the process. And so I hang up the hung up that phone call without asking for a sale. But we actually set up a, another call for that Friday, um, which was the day my girlfriend worked. So I'd be in the mall parking lot or the library at that point in time. But, you know, it was that phone call. That was the first phone call I actually had interacted with somebody that was. Now, I know I'm completely long winded with this story. So www.survivingthecancel.com if you want to get straight to how to build a social business. But I remember, you know, um, hanging up that phone call with the first actual piece of evidence of somebody who was on the phone and making sales calls like me and introverted, but still making it happen through complete repetition. And through that phone call, I just thought, okay, well, I guess this way I'm feeling is not just like how I'm built and how my condition It's about building the muscle. And so really after that sales phone call, I committed to like, okay, I'm going to call over and over and over and over again until I get used to it, until I get over this fear. And not only that, because he's asking for these big deals and it's actually possible, you know, when I pick up this phone on Friday, phone call with him in fr- on Friday, I'm not going to ask for like 500 or 400, like a low ball, like I thought it was. I'm asking for a thousand dollars minimum. And I never seen like a thousand dollars at that point in my life period never in my life like i've never seen it in a bank account in a homie's bank account in a friend's like a family nothing i've never seen a thousand dollars so it was an astronomical amount of money for me but i think out of the false belief like i remember even you know going to my homie's house i think i don't remember at what period but a little bit after that phone call and talking to him about you know the relativity of what is expensive um how it's such an arbitrary thing like you think a lot of the times like okay i can't ask this person for a thousand dollars because that's a lot of money but you know i remember having this conversation with my homie like yo who's, who's rashad who's also a co-host of this podcast um he has a few episodes on there you can go back and listen to them they're really good episodes um about how maybe i think a thousand dollars in the in, in the prices that i'm scared to ask are only big to me because I grew up in poverty because I grew up poor but maybe other people in the world they don't feel that way and they've had a lot of money all that like y'all don't understand like a thousand dollars to me was such a astronomically large amount of money that I couldn't even think to ask for nothing like that like it was like the idea was just completely foreign and completely alien to me and so um but 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 you know I had this realization that maybe it's different for other people and so I committed to asking him on Friday you know for for a thousand dollars to write this ten thousand word book and that was that i was sold on it completely and friday came around and he actually didn't pick up the phone uh he messaged me saying he's sorry he was boxing and then we set up another call and another call and it, I, I really couldn't i just couldn't get a hold of him but uh at this point in time november had crept around we were probably like in the middle of november and i was scrambling you know to put together deals because we had decided that we were leaving for la on november 24th um I'm going to actually wrap this podcast episode up because I know I'm just going on and on and on. And I want these little episodes that I leak out to be short. But on November 24th, um, we were we were set to leave for L.A. And I would have to have my like at least a thousand dollars, at least a thousand dollars in order to make this entire thing work. I would have to have proof that I was making money or, you know, or proof that money was coming on or it'd be just complete disaster. And and we probably shouldn't go uh, or I probably shouldn't go rather. 
And so what happened next was, you know, just more hustling. I, I actually just went, I, you know, I was utilizing every channel at this point in time. I was utilizing Upwork, which I think I got like a a, a deal for like, you know, just, just out of sheer hustling, a deal for like $600 on Upwork, which half of that would actually go to the writer that I hired to write it because I wasn't writing work that was coming from Upwork. Um, and so, so, so I would actually have like $300 from that deal, which that deal actually soured and the person debated me back and forth on it. And I actually got probably, I didn't get anything from that deal. I actually ended up wiring, I think $300 to the writer that actually wrote it. And I kind of got nothing out of it. Um, but it was, you know, essentially it was a scramble to get the money. It was essentially a scramble to get, get as much money as I could possibly in, in a short time, more money than I made in a month in my life, like in, in a single month in my life, I had to make in a, t- in a singular day. And so it was a process of just sending out, you know, emails and sending out DMs on Instagram to different groups and showing them the funnels that I build and setting up Fiverr to have like my link to my calendar. Everything was leading to calendar. Everything was leading to a sales call because I was just pure, even though I was terrified of it, I was purely desperate. But I remember like uh, sometime around November 10th, 11th or 12th, um, somebody had actually through Fiverr uh, went to my Calendly link and signed up for a sales call. And it was a lady named Latrina from... um, from uh, Colorado and um, since it was mid-November we had 14 days left until we were due to leave across the country Um, pretty much everything was riding on the sales call you know and so the sales call was set for the morning of November 14th and uh, you know I I really had no idea how it was going to go but like I said everything was riding on this call and I remember going to bed the night before November 14th in my girlfriend's bed, just completely anxious, completely flustered, completely burnt out, you know, not knowing what I was going to do, not knowing what direction this call was going to take, but just sending up a prayer to like the heavens or whoever the hell that this thing would work. So the morning comes around and I set alarm for probably like 1030, 1045. The alarm rings. I wake up in the morning and I'm sitting there like, okay, um, you know, which is waiting for the time to come around because this call was set up at 11 a.m., which was 9 a.m. Colorado time, or maybe it was 9 a.m. my time, 11 a.m. her time. I don't know. Our time, our times were different. Is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, it was 9 a.m. her time, 11 a.m. my time because she was in Colorado. It was the Central Time. And I'm waiting for this call to come. I'm waiting for this call to come around. And you know, whenever you call someone from a calendar link where they book to to speak with you, um. You kind of just wonder to yourself, like, why, like, why is it, like, like, will they even pick up? Like, that, that's one of the biggest thoughts that goes through my mind. Like, what, will this person even answer the phone? And so, eleven o'clock comes around, and I call. The phone's ringing. You know, it rings a few times. And I'm starting to get worried. Like, okay, well, this is a dud. This person's not going to pick up. This entire mission is compromised. Um, but after a few rings, uh, this person picks up and. It kind of shocks me. Like, I'm like nervous now. Like, oh, well, I actually have to do the selling thing. And so I'm scrambling in my mind to wrap my head around, um, you know, one of the scripts that I know for selling over the phone, which was 
I really hadn't followed it to a T before, but I like this had to work. And so I remember actually looking up the script, you know, a few days prior because I took a lot of you know photos of the Expert Secrets book before I was kicked out of my home. And uh, because I, like I said, I had a little foresight and it was coming a little bit. And I remember the four question closed in the back of the Expert Secrets script. And so immediately when she picks up the phone, I'm like, uh, hey, like this is Dallas. I'm calling for your, uh, what did I call it? Your writing interview or something like that and she's like oh well yeah okay that's cool and immediately like, I'm like okay well how are you doing like you know how are you going she's like oh I'm good how are you going I'm like I don't really know <laughs> it was just awkward and weird but you know I just threw a Hail Mary I started immediately going into the, like the four question script which is actually a really brilliant script um that these these won't like what they do is they juxtapose like what it is they're selling with the thing that you want the most and so how I would go into the script, I would say, okay, you want to write, you, 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 know, you, you enter the thing, you said you want to write a book. I mean, you want me to write you a book. Then I would ask them, why do they run, you want to write a book? And they would answer something like, okay, so I can get influence and, and authority in my niche. And then you would say, okay, but why do you want influence and in, in authority in your niche? And, you know, uh, they would go even further, like, okay, I want influence and authority in my niche and you know, one of the reasons that I remember her saying is that she wanted, like, uh, like she had a kid and, you know, the book would bring passive income and she would be able to hang out with her kid more often instead of working. And she wanted to kind of, like, digitally set up, like, her business so that she could, you know, pr- pretty much get leads and get sales on autopilot and have more time away from her job and, and, and with her kid and to see his basketball games because he's getting older and she's getting older and she wants that time. She wants that freedom. She wanted trips out in like Spain. She wanted to bring them to like Spain and things like that. Which if you're listening to this, I mean, our, our situation kind of didn't go as I, I planned. And I really do apologize for that. And I'm trying to build a company that can do my job a little better than me. And so, you know, I'll do your entire book absolutely for free. You know, if you hear this email, because uh, or hear this episode, because I, you know, I feel bad. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know whether you don't didn't enjoy the manuscript or, or whatever it might have been. But whatever it is, man, it, you know, if I can write that wrong, you know, I'm here to write it. If it is in fact a wrong, um, but this is not for this podcast, is what I guess. But let me let me just wrap up the story. Um, and so essentially, what you want to do is you say, do you feel like? all these issues that you're facing, these personal problems, you know, what did, the question is, what would this do for you on a personal level? And you say, do you think that a book would solve these personal problems for you? And if they say yes, then essentially, you know, the price of the book is, you're not selling them a book. You're selling them a solution to all these personal issues that they're facing. And essentially, the, the you know, you can charge any price at that point in time because how much, like, to, to spend time with your kids, how much is that worth to you? You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's essentially the question that you're asking. And, and I, I just think it's a great strategy. So we get to the end of, uh, of, of that little question and series. And I'm like, okay, so do you want to go ahead with this process? And she says, yes. And I said, well, if you want to go with it, like, I remember like just, just completely holding my breath and talking at the same time. Like, like I could not breathe. I could not think straight. I'm, I'm just like, completely like what the hell is going to happen and so i'm like okay well this service overall would be a thousand dollars for ten thousand words um you know so the process of that is going to be 
you know, I'm going to hang up this phone call and I'm going to send you over a link to an order form where you can enter your credit card information and pay for that. And then I'll schedule another call with you so we can begin the interview process and start putting your the, your stories together so that I could then write them into a book. Is that all right? And there was like a brief pause and like it, it was like a split. Like she was she was adamant about it because she she was making a lot of money, which like it, it goes into like the arbitrary nature of expense. Um, and she was like, oh, yeah, sure. That, that's good. And I was like, really? Like I didn't say really, but in my mind, I'm like, really? Like this is. Like, this is just insane. And, uh, you know, because I had never, like, written, like, something of that magnitude before. Like, a real, bi- like, a biography type type of novel. I had only written, like, actual factual books. Like, books about Facebook ads and lead magnets and things like that. But this was, like, a book book. And she was like, you know, I, I didn't show her, like, any testimonials, any proof. Which it really, you know, set off. You know, it, it was really confirmation of the idea that, you know, you don't have to have, you know, experience or proof of or testimonials or anything like that to, to make a sale and to make money and to do good work for people. But, um, you know, she's like, okay. And I'm like, all right, well, w- when are you available for the next call? And she gives me the date and I hang up the phone. And I remember like, it was like this beautiful morning in, in Maryland, you know, the leaves are turned colors outside of the window. And me and my girlfriend are, is at home alone. It's quiet. And you know how those mornings are. Sun's filtering through the window. And we just start celebrating. She starts jumping on the bed. And I start going crazy. And I'm like, I'm like, I remember like it felt like a thousand years of weight was just lifted off my shoulders. Like, like I really made a thousand dollars in a singular phone call. Like, like it was nothing. Like the shit was absolutely insane. Like it, it, it kind of just blew my mind how that, how that worked. And it kind of opened up a new reality to me of what is expensive, what, you know, how much are people willing to pay for products or, or what, what in my own capabilities, like it, it really like confirmed in my head, okay, what I want to do right now, it's possible. Like it's, it, it's at least possible. And I remember that being one of the best mornings and I went downstairs and I got a cup of coffee. Her mother has like a little Keurig machine. You just put the little pods in and you, and you can make coffee in the Keurig machine. And I remember making coffee and, 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 and just sitting there and just, just laying there just completely happy and elated that this, this happened. You know, I was kind of weary because that day the money actually didn't actually go through. But uh, approaching our next phone call, you know, I think we might have gotten on the phone and I started the interview process and I didn't even ask for anything. And she was like, okay, well, I'm going to send the money through now. And she actually entered the order form and I, I broke up the payments for, for like two, 250 per week, you know, or something like that, 250 per week. I basically made a payment plan for it and she submitted payment. This was November 14th and the payment was set to do go through on November 16th. Um, or, 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 or maybe it was. I don't know, my dates are a little confused, but I got like the, the payment information still locked into my Stripe. And um, I remember just looking at my Stripe account and it's saying $249 pending. And that was like the first paycheck like I actually made, like from my own sales skills, my own marketing skills, my own business skills. And I remember just staring at it like over and over again, opening up the Stripe over and over again, just looking at it like, okay, well, like this is actually insane and this actual sale goes on to not only be a $249 sale but we upgraded it to 20,000 words it ended up being a $2,000 sale and it was just extremely pivotal moment and extremely emotional moment in my life where you know the you know the sky was really the limit and so you know it, it was just amazing and so I'm going to talk to you about how this
you know, that's the end of this episode. In the next episode, I'm going to try to wrap up this series. I'm going to talk about actually moving to L.A., uh, how it how, how I actually left for L.A. with negative $63 in my bank account, and that accumulated to negative $300. I'm going to talk about how this client actually went, uh, how I got the next client, and how that went, and how both of those actually ended up crashing and burning into flames, and uh, how L.A., because of it was a struggle in the beginning transferring to airbnb from airbnb to airbnb airbnb uh the day we we're supposed to move in our apartment not having any place to stay and you know i having any money and her mo- mother like was sending money and venmo wasn't working and so in order to stay in like a super eight motel we had to divide you know the money on like five different credit cards and luckily they accepted that and you know just the the complete wreck that moving to la was and how these sales uh, weren't really the greatest thing for me in the world like I thought they were going to be and how that business actually ended up getting shut down uh, because I learned about so you know what a social business was instead and how this business really didn't fulfill me like I thought it would I want to talk about all that in the next episode I know this episode was kind of rocky but uh, that's pretty much what happened that's pretty much the story uh, thus far so once again I know I'm long winded I'm not the best speaker in the world I'm a little bumbly in conversation so if you want to just hear it from the best in the world uh, their stories and how they did it uh, and how they would do it once again in four weeks you know I took 15 to 30 influencers I asked them if you had 30 days to essentially build a social movement if you were cancelled and you were losing everything and you had 30 days to build a social movement out of the people who cancelled you like reconvert them to supporters and followers uh, or build a whole entire new social movement of foundations and followers to to support your business that's now crumbling, your lifestyle is now crumbling, how would you do it? Um, it's essentially all about building a social business, essentially building a business that creates a social movement. Um, and this is something that they already done, they're the experts of it. And if you want to hear their interviews, they're each hour long. For free, just go register at survivingthecancel.com, www.survivingthecancel.com. You're going to hear it all over there. And so without further ado, because this episode is extremely long, uh, I want to end this episode and uh, I'll see you in the next one. This is Dallas from Surviving the Cancel and I appreciate you so much for listening. Thanks.